0: Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. How are you guys doing this morning? Are y'all doing good? Man, Jimmy had church all by himself. That was good. I was like, man, drop mic, Jimmy. That was good. It was so good. Hey, welcome to the Church Roy City. If this is your first time here, um, we are so glad to have you. Uh, my name is Crystal Sparks, and my husband and I uh, co-pastor here at the Church Roy City, and we are so glad that you came today. Um, we are in an awesome series um, entitled It Is Written, and I don't know about you guys, but I just think Pastor Brian's just been next level this whole series. It has been like so good. I I would dare to say this has been one of our best series that we've ever had. I mean, it's just really been so profound and every week I sit through three services. And so you would think for me, it'd be like all oh, old news. No, every single service I'm like, just when I think it can't get better, it does. And so I just love our church. I love what God's doing here. Uh, how many of you guys went to a community group this week? Where are my community group? Yes. Um, we love our groups here at the Church Royce City. If you're not in one, you are missing out. And uh, let me just tell you, it is not too late to join a group. Um, Right outside these back doors is our information table. Um, You can stop by today and get signed up for a group. You can jump in, the water's warm, all right? It's good, we have lots of fun in our groups and we have literally, I think we have groups in seven different cities, something crazy like that. I mean, literally, if it's not in your neighborhood, it's because you didn't start one. But I mean, uh, coming soon to a neighborhood near you, right? Uh, My goal is that on every street in Roy City, Greenville, Lone Oak, we'll have a RC group at some point. Every street, it'll just be like, you just walk to a group. They're just everywhere. Um, Hey, if you've uh, got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I'm excited about this message. I feel like I got 15 messages and I've only got 30 minutes to do it. So come on, Jesus, help me. Matthew chapter 14, and we are gonna pick it up here in verse 22, it says, and then he being Jesus directed the disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent sent away the crowds, and after he had dismissed the multitudes, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was still there alone. Sometimes it feels like Jesus left you, huh? Tells you to go do something go do it and you're being obedient it's like jesus is nowhere you ever feel like that but the boat was by this time out on the sea many furlongs a furlong is about one-eighth of a mile distance from the land beaten and tossed by the waves for the wind was against them and in the fourth watch between three and six a.m of the night jesus came to them walking on the sea And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they screamed with great fright. But instantly he spoke to them saying, take courage. I am, stop being afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he perceived and felt the w- strong wind, he was frightened and as he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me from death. Instantly, somebody say instantly. Say like you mean it, say instantly. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and caught and held him and it amazing how quick Jesus can answer our prayers saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and then those on the boat knelt and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son, of God. Can I pray with you today? Jesus, we just thank you, Father, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said, amen. You know, I think it's interesting. I was reading something the other day, and And it said that in between 1960 and 1970s, uh, the government started uh, economic housing. And in this, they decided to start grouping people's housing based on their income level. And so they put, started putting low-income housing on certain sides of town and everybody who made low-income housing, they would all live there together. And they did this because they thought it would solve a problem. Well, over the years, they realized that it didn't solve the problem. In fact, the crime rates went up. Um, kids dropping out of high school went up. Uh, the problems just continued to increase. Drug use continued to go up in these neighborhoods. And they couldn't figure out why. Well, then they began doing something called mixed income housing. And so here in this situation, they would have a family who is on welfare living across the street from a doctor. They would have a family that's on food stamps living next to a business executive. And they found mixed income housing began to change these kids' lives that they no longer were destined to be a statistic. And they realized that whatever you are come around all the time, you adapt yourself to your surroundings. And dysfunction becomes normal when that's all you see is dysfunction. And when all you see are people who drop out of school and people on drugs and, and it seems like everybody's living your life, then it seems normal and you're never challenged to change. But in mixed income housing, they realized when the kids began to see that they could become more, they became what they saw. And when you put a different vision in front of them, now all of a sudden it challenged their belief system and challenged the decisions that they were making. And I think about this because here the disciples are and they're on a boat together in their dysfunction. And they're out on the sea, and the Bible tells us that the boat is being beaten and tossed by the wind and the waves. And honestly, if we just got real, they were just praying to survive. Have you ever just been praying just to survive through your storm? And then here comes Jesus walking on the very thing that they thought was going to kill them. And in seeing him overcome the obstacle that they thought was great, it inspired Peter to decide to become more. You know, I want to, I love, this is one of my favorite quotes by Rosa Parks. And she says, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. I love it. You know, there's something that happens with a mind that gets made up. There's something that happens. And she says that day, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. And we all know the story. She didn't give up her seat, but a revolution started and things began to change. You know, sometimes you got to decide the only tired you are is tired of giving in. I wanna ask you a question today as we begin our time together is what is your boat? What is your boat that you've been sitting in for so long? Some of you have been sitting in the same place for so long wishing for things to be different that you've got your name on the seat in the boat. You know your spot, you know your friends around you on the boat and you've just been hanging on. Well, one day maybe things will be different. I I just hope that I just kind of make it by. See, I love this because Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. You know, things don't happen until you start talking different. Things won't happen in your life until you start talking different. If Jesus showed up tomorrow in your prayer time, what would you ask for? Some of you don't even know what you would ask for. Some of you, this would be your prayer, Lord, make it better. Well, let me just challenge you this. If you make $5 more this year than last year, it's better. Come on, you're praying your marriage to get better. Well, if you fight one time less this week than last week, it's better. See, Jesus, here he is, shows up in the middle of their mess and 11 stay silent and one spoke. I wonder how many of us stay silent every worship service, every Sunday. Jesus is in the room to answer every single prayer and we're just sitting there silent while other people are getting their miracle. But it's not because they're they're more close to God than you. It's because of what they're saying. You will have whatever you say. Things changed when Peter began to say what he wanted. What do you want? A lot of times, I think our prayers sound something like this. Uh, God, just help me get by. Just give me enough to pay my bills. Help me get through another day. Let me just tell you, you didn't receive the power of the Holy Spirit on your life to just get by. You didn't receive God's power living on the inside of you so you can just eke through life. You have the power of God living on, on the inside of you so you can overcome and begin to do great and mighty exploits. But you can have whatever you want. Your life is as powerful or as weak as you've made it out to be. And it's not because God's will. A lot of times I think we think we're waiting on God and God's waiting on us. See, I love that the Bible says he walked as though he was gonna pass them by in one translation it says. A lot of times if this was our prayer time, Jenna, this is what it would have sounded like. God, get in our boat. Jesus, just calm the storm. Make the problem go away. I love that Peter didn't ask for the storm to stop or Jesus to get in the boat. He said, Lord, I wanna do what you're doing. I wanna walk on top of what was supposed to kill me. I wanna walk on top of the problem. See, a lot of you are praying away your financial trouble. You're praying away your marriage problems. You're praying away the work problems. And you need to begin to learn to walk on top of what's troubling you. You need to begin to rise higher and get above it. But a lot of times we just pray the problem away. Your problem is not the problem. What you're saying about the problem is your problem. Peter said, Lord, bid me to come. And he got exactly what he said. You know, I love this because Peter wasn't afraid if the the other 11 would perceive him to be haughty or arrogant or prideful. He just said what he wanted. And a lot of you aren't praying the prayers that God's asked you to pray because you're so afraid that your peer group is gonna think that you're prideful, that you're arrogant, that you're haughty. See, cause if this was church today, I could just see the 11 sending an email saying, Jesus, that's not fair. He thinks that he's like you, you can't pray those kind of prayers. I'll never forget, Uh, and this is silly, but it's big deal to me. But I, I remember one day I saw somebody carrying a designer handbag and I don't know what it was about it, but I just thought, if I'm God's daughter, I should have the best. And Lord, I want a designer handbag. Now, some of you are already a little bit cynical about that, but I'm okay with that. I'm cool. If my purse represents my faith and yours, yours, we'll see where we're at. So I just said, Lord, if, if you want me to have that, I just ask that you provide for me to have that. Just bless us unexpectedly to have it. A few weeks go by, and I just begin to declare, I'm gonna have a designer handbag. And and not just any, I had it spelled out exactly what I wanted. I had a lady call me, and she said, I don't know why, but I just can't stop thinking about you, and I wanna give you uh, some money. And I said, okay, well, praise God. I feel like that's the Lord. Did you know that the amount of money she gave me was exactly enough to pay for the handbag and a Starbucks coffee afterwards? And I'm saying that to say... I told somebody about my story and they said, well, that's not God. God would never provide for a handbag. I'm glad I didn't ask for your opinion before I prayed for it. I'm glad I didn't ask for a census of the congregation if God cares about handbags before I did it. See, if Peter would have asked the 11 what they thought, he would have never asked for what he wanted. And a lot of you are living your life. Come on. And you're, you're asking your friends what they think you should be and if they think you should go for the promotion, if they think you should live in a nicer neighborhood. Some of you are self-sabotaging yourself because you're so afraid that the 11 are gonna begin to talk about you. Peter was like, I don't care if you're gonna talk about me. Jesus, you are doing it. So that shows me the potential of what I can have. And if you have it, I can have it because you said greater works than these shall I do. So he said, Lord, if it's you bid me to come, why are you living? Why are you letting other people define what you're supposed to become? Come on, somebody. You're so afraid to stand up in your workplace because they might talk about you around the water cooler. You know what? You got to get to a place. Peter didn't care what they were saying. And I'll just say this. When you get out there far enough, you won't hear what they're saying anyways. While they're sitting there rocking on the boat, praying, Lord, just help us survive. Peter's walking on top of it. Just let him talk. Let them talk. Here Peter is, he begins to walk on water. I think a lot of people have been in their boat so long that they're cynical. That's why you get bitter when you see somebody else getting promoted because you're in your boat and them getting promoted challenges you and your complacency. When all along, Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. Maybe it's time for you to start walking on water. If you find yourself being critical and judgmental and all your prayers are just survival prayers, you're in the boat. You're in the boat. You were called to walk on the problems that were sent to take you out. If the problem isn't going away, it's because you're supposed to be walking on it. I love what Henry Ford says. He says, one of the greatest discoveries a man can make is that he can do what he feared he could not do. I love that you can do it the moment that there's something in your heart that says i want that that's god giving placing the desire it says that he'll give us the desires of our heart and i used to always second guess everything is this god's will because peter didn't take time to have a prayer session lord if this be your will no he knew that the moment he saw it it was god's will for him to do it And some of you are paralyzed by wondering if it's God's desire, if it's his will for you to do it. If it's your desire, it's his desire. If it's your desire that your business begins to take over and you've got a franchise, then you know what? That's his desire too. He put the desire on the inside of you to see if you'll have the pursuit to go after it. And I love this because Jesus just says, come. He just tells him to come. Now, if this was us, we would say, Lord, you can ask me to come after I have a three-day seminar of walking on water 101. After I go to a community group and I practice walking on water in a safe environment, like let me practice on a kiddie pool first and let me do this. No, Jesus just told him to come. Now I want you to think about this. Jesus gave no promise of what was about to happen. He didn't tell him the steps of how to do it and he knew he didn't know how to do it. He didn't give him a pamphlet or a guide. He just told him one thing. He told him to come. And I would challenge you this that Peter did not walk on water, he walked on a word. One word from God gave him all the permission he needed to begin to do what he could never do. Are you okay with God blessing you outside of your skill set? Are you okay with God blessing you beyond the level? Because I'll just tell you that when God starts talking to you, he never talks to you about the things that you were trained to do in school. He's always gonna ask you to do stuff that you have no frame of reference to do. Go start a church. I don't know how to start a church. Where do you even begin to get the people? Like, how do you get people to come? And and, and then when the Lord began to speak to me about, I started an online leadership program. I didn't know how to do that. I had nobody in my world doing it and I still don't have anybody doing it because God is not comfortable with just asking you to stay inside your boat and him climb inside your boat and calm the storm. Sometimes he's gonna bless you outside of your set. And he's going to ask you to do things that you don't know how to do And the reason why he does that is because he doesn't want you to be reliant upon yourself Because it's not about you. It's about him It's always been about him. But a lot of times we think well, i'm not prepared enough. I I don't know enough I i'm not educated enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough I don't have enough money You will never have enough to do what god's asking you to do because it's about him It's all about him so here Peter is, and he walks out on a word. You remember in school, whenever you'd get a hall pass? I loved hall passes. Come on, somebody. At my school, they were pink. Were y'all's pink? They were awesome. And we get a hall pass, and Jimmy knows because we graduated together. And uh, when you get a hall pass, and even though it says you're just supposed to go to the restroom, you go everywhere but the restroom, right? <laughs> You meet your friends out at all kinds of places. You're hanging out. You go through the lunchroom, see what's going on in there. I mean, you take the long way around to the restroom. Anybody know what I'm talking about in this place? And what's funny about a hall pass is people that would normally stop you and tell you you can't go here. All you had to do is do what? Show them your hall pass. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. And even then, it got to a place where even when the teacher saw you coming down the hall, they would recognize the pink in your hand and they wouldn't even stop you because they already knew, oh, she's got permission to be this way. Let me just tell you, this book right here it has over thirty-one thousand scriptures, and they are your hall pass to begin to take over what God's called you to do. And every time the enemy tries to stop you, and every time your friends try to tell you you can't be that, you can't become that, all you got to do is show them this right here because this silences the voice of your enemies. Because it is your pass to begin to take over. See, the moment that God gave the word and Jesus said, "Come," the disciples couldn't say it wasn't possible anymore because He had already given the word. And let me just tell you that the moment God gave you the word to begin to start that business, that your marriage would be restored, that your kids will serve the Lord. That is your permission to begin to take it over. Quit waiting for people to approve of you. Quit waiting for people to recognize you. Some of you have sat in your boat so long and you're like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my friends to tell me I'm talented enough. I'm waiting for my pastor to recognize me. I'm waiting for my boss to tell me I'm good enough. Baby, if his word says it, that's all you need. Quit waiting on the sidelines man I want to light a fire underneath you quit quit compromising yourself quit watering down your potential you're more than where you're at God's called you to more than where you're at you are not created to live this life to just suck air and die you know at at the end of all that 11 had no story to tell and Peter had a story in this life, you can collect fears or experiences. It's your choice. It's your choice. I've, I'm, I'm like Rosa Parks. The only tired I am is tired of giving in. You gotta get to a place where you're so fed up with complacency. You're so fed up of just, I'm sick of just barely paying the bills. I'm sick of living month to month. I'm sick of worrying if my kids are strung out on drugs and out on the streets. I'm sick of having a home that's not full of peace. I'm sick of living my life like there's no existence. When you get to that place, walking on water starts to look like, man, I think I can do this. I I don't wanna be in this boat anymore. How tired are you of giving in? How tired are you of giving in? Come on, somebody. Well, Crystal, what if I do it and I fail? Who cares? Who, who cares? You did it. You did it. I love this. Jesus just told him to come. In Romans 8, 14, it talks about for all who are led By the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that word led right there in the actual translation means that it's basically it's a forceful term. It's not lead like you call a puppy, like come here, or like I walk my dog and he actually walks me. Come on. (laughs) It's not like a sweet lead. It's like a forcefully pick you up and put you places you couldn't stand on your own, kind of lead. And when you start getting led into places like that where it doesn't make sense, I'll say at that point, you are actually in the will of God more than ever before. I love this. In uh, Hebrews 4, 2, it says that it's God's word mixed with faith that brings results. It's not his word that's enough. It's when it mixes with your faith. In other words, when you begin to believe it. See, the moment that Jesus said, come, Peter had a choice. He could have chose to just stay there. And the Lord would have loved him the same. But it was when his word was mixed with faith and faith is always active. It's always moving. Faith is never stagnant. It's always moving. Hebrews 11, one says this, now faith is. Not tomorrow faith is. Peter didn't say, wait, let me pray three days and see. Let me just think about it. Let me get a consensus. Let me, let me Google what it is to walk on water. No, he did it right now. And let me tell you, the moment that God speaks to you to do it, you need to do it right now. I love the story of David and Goliath. It says that he ran immediately towards the battle line. Why? Because now faith is. Begin to do it now. Whatever's in your heart, just do it now. Begin to act on what God has for you. James 2, 17 says, faith without works is dead. In other words, you gotta begin to do it. We, We think we're waiting on God. God's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to come and walk on a word. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on a word. It came with no guarantees, no training, no promise of anything, but he began to act. You know, in verse 30, it says that here he is and he's out there and the wind and the waves, he began to notice them and he began to sink. And I just think about this because you think Peter is a human humans don't walk on water. If there were no wind and waves, could Peter still walk on water? No. And isn't it funny how logic will always rob miracles? Logic will always rob your faith. And he began to think, well, it's the wind and the waves is why I can't walk on water. No, it's because you're a human that you can't walk on water. And here's the thing is that God is always, it's all about grace. And I hear pet preachers preach and they're like, it's because he took his eyes off of Jesus that he began to sing. And let me just tell you, that's hogwash. Peter never walked on water because of anything he did right or did wrong. He walked on water because Jesus gave him the power to do it. But it's when he began to use logic, And he forgot that I began this thing in grace and I'm gonna end this thing in grace. And when grace stopped being the focus in his heart, that's when he began to sink. And for you in your own life, when you begin to think that it's the obstacle that's weighing you down, and you begin to think, well, it's the financial problem, it's all these things that are weighing me down. No, it's because you forgot that you began in grace and you're gonna end in grace. It's Jesus who sustains you to do what you could never do. It's not about you. And I love this because here's the Lord's shortest prayer right here from Peter. Lord, save me. Again, if this was in church today, I could see the emails coming. You didn't pray in Jesus' name. That's not the right way to pray. It's too forceful. It's too whatever. I'm glad that Peter didn't know those things because God honored his prayer. And a lot of times I think we are afraid to step out because what if we fail? Can I tell you that God's grace is big enough that even when you fail, he'll still cover it? Peter didn't die that day. I love what it says, they got in the boat and it says that they immediately began to worship him. Jesus didn't say, you know what, Peter? You're messed up. You know, go over there, you're gonna have to sit in the corner of the boat, you're too wet. You're dripping everywhere. You're making a mistake. Uh, all your uh, water's going everywhere, Peter. Look at you. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, it says they immediately began to worship him. I have never done anything perfectly for God. I've made mistakes all along the way. But every time you'll find me worshiping him wet. Wet for my failure, wet from the disappointment, wet from when I began to doubt him, wet when I didn't do what I said I was gonna do, but yet you'll still find him right there and he's worshiping him. The Bible goes on to say that they got to where they were going and the multitudes began to surround Jesus and they began to see many people healed. And I often wonder in this text if Peter even had time to dry off or if he was still wet from the disappointment. And I think a lot of times in church, we're afraid to come in when we're wet because we disappointed God. We didn't read our Bible this week. We didn't do things right. And so we feel like I can't come to him because I'm too wet. And we're afraid to go to churches where people are wet. And I'll just tell you here at this church, we've got wet worship leaders. We've got wet door greeters. We've got wet pastors. We've got wet group leaders. We've got wet people everywhere. Wet people back there running the sound because you know what? It was never about us. It's always been about him. And the most powerful time to worship in your life sometimes is when you're wet. When you're dripping wet, I'm not talking about damp from a few hours ago. I'm talking about when you are dripping, wringing wet and you're still found worshiping him, that's when all of a sudden things begin to change in your life. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what this message finds you in, but I'll tell you there's two groups of people. There's one group of people you're afraid of stepping out because you fail, you might fail. And there's the other group of people who have stepped out and they feel like they failed. Now they can't worship. And I'll say to both groups, just be found worshiping him. He's still got something great for your life. Can you stand on your feet? At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RC. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.